Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Corner Office CEO. We are the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Republicans in Congress are slamming the decision by Maine's Democrat Secretary of State Shanna Bellows to bar Donald Trump from the GOP primary ballot. Maine's GOP Senator Susan Collins wrote in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, that the decision should be overturned. Echoing other Republicans, House GOP Chair Representative Lee Stefanik of New York blasted the decision as a, quote, an attack on democracy and called for the U.S. Supreme Court to overrule it. Maine became the second state to declare the former president ineligible to serve as president following a similar ruling by the Colorado Supreme Court last week. Edwin Mora, Washington. The United Nations says tens of thousands of Palestinians are fleeing Israel's bombardment at the center of the Gaza Strip. The Hamas terrorist group continues to use civilians there as human shields. This is SRN News. You want to feel important. You want to be part of something bigger, something that matters and that you can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We felt that way too. I'm Sergeant Michael Tislin from Chaska, Minnesota, and that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Minnesota Army National Guard soldiers. We are people just like you, and together we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit nationalguard.com forward slash MN to find out more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard, aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and this station. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years, and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important issues to read about. Pragertopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pragertopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager. Pragertopia Unlimited. Go to Pragertopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in Minnesota. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. No! Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. My mind is a globe whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. <laughs> um, enjoying the commentary on, uh, on Twitter here. Uh, second hour of the show, last hour of 2023 of The King Banyan Show here on, on the, the second to last day, the penultimate day of 2023. And we're doing the top eight stories of 23 in economics and finance. To review again... Um, and if you missed it, go back and listen to the podcast or come back Come back on Sunday. You get the same show on Sunday, 9th, 9 through 11, here also on The Biz 1440. Sam Bankman-Fried and, uh, and some, of the, uh, some of the crypto collapse, although crypto prices have gone back up, I will say. Cryptocurrency still trades and it still moves up as well as down. Uh, you, can't, you, you can't just sort of say crypto is gone as an asset, as an asset class. Uh, it's still there, but Sam Bankman-Fried was number eight. Number seven, Silicon Valley Bank and the other bank failures of 2023. They dominated the news back in March and April of the year. Uh, number six, the un- the I think underappreciated story of the expansion of oil production in the United States. Uh, and number five, China, rather than expanding, coming out of a COVID wave, heads into what seems to be a very slow growth model that doesn't seem to have any any signs that it's going to reverse in the near future. That brings us to the number five story of, uh, number four, excuse me, number four story of the year. Okay, which I, which I, in some sense, I think it should be number one in, okay, it won't be because we we spend all our time talking about short-term things. But number five on China is a long-term story. I think number four is a longer-term story, and that is the rise of global debt. Global debt levels have now reached over $100 trillion. I want you to think about that. $100 trillion. Just write it down. Count up the zeros. I'll wait. If you count up all those zeros, what you're going to find out is that's a whole lot of zeros. We now have, you know, 10 years ago, we were talking about a book uh, called This Time is Different, in which um, the authors purported to show that when you get to debt to GDP ratios around, uh, around 100% or so, economies start growing more slowly. Many major economies have now exceeded that 100% ratio. The level of their debt is greater than the level of their GDP. And what does, what does that mean? Well, one person that's been talking about this for a long time has been uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Nassim Taleb wrote, wrote this book, Black Swan, which is very famous, uh, and, and several other books. 
Um, and he was on CNBC just recently uh, discussing what's going on with global debt and and had this to say. Let's play. I've got a couple cuts of him. Let's play first. Cut number nine. More than $100 trillion of real estate valuation. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're not at 3% mortgages. We're at 7% and, and going north. Okay. So... And you have a lot of the methodology of the startup business changed. In the past, they used to be selling you a future cash flow. Now they're selling you future funding, like you're going to sell it to someone else. So the whole, the whole structure needs to tumble, okay? We, it needs okay. to tumble? Yes. Like tumble, 2008-style tumble? Probably, because systems don't correct themselves without some kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of pain. So it seems pretty dire, right? And some people will think, well, he's just he's just one of those Cassandras always claiming gloom and doom ahead. You know, you got you got Taleb, you've got Nouriel Rubini, who's known as Dr. Dr. Doom. Uh, you have others out there as well. Um, and let's face it, doom and gloom sells. If you're selling a newsletter, if you're selling a you're selling a podcast, if you're selling if you know cheery happy talk which i'm accused of doing too much of from time to time is it really great for business but to relate it back to the story we told about svb in the last hour silicon valley bank which was our number 7 story when interest rates go from 3% to 7% that causes a lot of pain. And even though we, we think from the moment right now that, well, 7% mortgages aren't too bad because everyone refinanced at three, so everything's hunky-dory, things will be fine. <clears throat> you can stay in your same home for a while, but what if you want to have another child? What if your job changes? What if you lose your job and your next job is going to be someplace else in the country or somewhere else in the world? you have to sell and buy. That's going to be a significant challenge. So at some point, I think the 7% mortgage gets paid. Yes, interest rates might come down. They might need to come down. Because you have all this debt that somehow needs to be paid for. And And to pay for it, you may continue to manipulate interest rates in such a way that you're going to you're going to end up you're going to end up reinflating the bubble. Uh, Taleb goes on. Let's play cut number ten. So what you're, you're saying is right in front of us. The risk is in front of us. You see a fragile bridge, right? The bridge that's fragile. Okay, you know it's going to collapse at some point. Okay, so you need to fix it. How do you fix it? You got to reduce debt. You got to do a lot of cosmetic things. Things that are not cosmetic, actually. But I th- I'm worried. He thinks they're not cosmetic. At some point, you're going to have to write down a whole lot of this debt. Okay. Um, a book that I think is a perennial is written many years ago that I think is well worth reading if this sort of thing interests you is Charles Kindleberger's Manias, Panics, and Crashes. It dates back to the early 1970s. Kindleberger was an economic historian. An area that uh, I, in a tweet that I think got a lot of attention, I'm not sure why, but I think because I had, I had linked to 
a post by someone who is more more interesting. Um, economic history doesn't get taught in most universities anymore. The post that I had linked to was something put up by Scott Linsicum uh, from Cato, who had it, it emphasized the fact that the way in which economists talk about business cycles and the causes of the Great Depression in the way in which historians talk about it, it's like we're talking past each other. We don't tell the same stories. And I think a part of that problem is that is is that economists don't try, really try to do economic history. And historians, you know, don't do economics. I think that's in part economists' fault. I think our share of the blame. I don't think it's all our fault. I think historians don't are not incentivized to spend a lot of time thinking about economics, but part of the problem is what is quote unquote cutting edge economics now is all statistics and mathematics and it doesn't do sort of the the doesn't do narrative which is the way in which historians talk to each other our rhetoric to reach historians and the general public generally needs to change to do that right and then i think we have to then turn to the historians after we do that we say to them Hear the stories we tell each other about why the Great Depression happened, and they're written in a way that you should find accessible that you don't need to have three semesters of calculus to do. Um, so what do you think? But no one seems to be interested in that because, frankly, the, frankly, the incentives for these things don't happen. So to the Kindleberger piece, Kindleberger talks about the fact that we don't actually tell stories that was telling stories about things like tulip mania or the south or the south sea or or the you know the south the the, the india company um the louisiana purchase all of those stories where you get great manias in investing that then collapse somehow the debt we've experienced over the last decade and a half the expansion of debt since the great financial crisis comes off a little bit like a mania and the question is really, what did it get us? And that's why I'm going to play you one extra clip here. I was just going to use Taleb, but this clip was simply too good. This is Louis Gov from GovCal uh, Finance. Uh, they're an investment advising house based in Hong Kong and Paris and New York. And Louis just has this, had this, I think it's just 15 seconds, but it's, it's absolutely amazing. Listen to this. This is cut 11. Like if I was American, and I'm not, I would say, hold on. What did we get for this 30 trillion in debt? Where's the Hoover Dam that we've built? Where's the Tennessee Valley Authority? Where's the high-speed rail leaks? When you pile on the debt, it's got to be for productive stuff. If what you're doing is running up the credit card debt to fund your current spending, that's much more problematic. Right, because if you you invest in the Hoover Dam or uh, Tennessee Valley, Valley Authority, they generate a revenue stream and additional productivity that helps us pay down that debt. But what we spent on government debt, I think is things that have been unproductive. And what I want to talk about the next segment is things that are also contributing to debt, but might be producing something that is productive enough that it might in fact pay for a lot of the goods, the the things that we're seeing, okay? But our number four story, global debt, uh, we'll be back with number three right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. 
fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800-914-1358. 800-914-1358. That's 800-914-1358. I'm Scott from the History Unplugged podcast. History can be a bit of a tongue twister with its weird sounding names of people, places, and things, but it really isn't that confusing. History is the story of who we are and how we comport ourselves while soaring to victory in battles over forts, seaports, and cities that fortunately thwarted the schemes of villains and their blood sports, like the 1415 Battle of Agincourt. It's about legal battles in courts, about the contortion of torts over the retorts of consorts that turned into kangaroo courts. I exhort you to listen to History Unplugged on the podcast player of your choice, and you can listen to it while wearing shirts, shorts, skirts, skorts, or jean jorts. You need to call the police and you need to call your father. And you need to get you and your son away from this guy. I want to fix it. That's why I want to my home and I just want to be able to get No, no, no honey, honey, we don't need to call a realtor. You and your son are in danger. Direct. Honest. The Ramsey Show. Weekdays 1 to 4. Welcome back, King Megan Show, The Biz 1440. Good bumper for this segment, Spencer. Thank you so much. 651-289-4477, the number to call questions, comments. Lots of questions coming in uh, in commentary about these top eight stories of 2023 that we're running down for you. Uh, if you're just joining us, you can listen to the podcast uh, 
uh, in the archive at, at uh, TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Uh, but just to give you the rundown, number eight was uh, Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX and the col- and and its collapse. Um, we didn't even touch on uh, uh, CZ and uh, Binance, which has also run into hard times as well in the crypto world. Number seven, Silicon Valley Bank. Um, number six, the price of oil. Why is it going down? And the fact that uh, the U.S. is experiencing a boom in the production of oil right now. Not a well-told story. Number five, the lack of a recovery of the Chinese economy after the COVID uh, drop in late 22, early 23. Number four, we just did on the size of global debt, not just the U.S., but around the world, not just public, but private as well, and not just real estate. The leverage which many companies have, okay, I'm drawing this graph for a presentation I'm doing on Thursday for the 25th anniversary of our quarterly business report. Um, I'll, I'll tweet to you using the hashtag pound KBRS if you're interested in, in knowing more about it. Uh, but we're having a celebration of 25 years of doing the quarterly business report here. Um, great turnout we're expecting here uh, in, on Thursday. And I was looking at this division between, in the S&P 500, the top seven companies, the magnificent seven, all focused in tech in one way or another between some of them, you know, the usual suspects, but like NVIDIA or Tesla or Microsoft. The split between those and the others and, and the other 493 stocks in the S&P 500 is amazing. It's closed a little bit in the last six weeks, but it's still this amazing gap that the S&P 500 is being driven by only seven stocks in the index of 500. That's really very, very remarkable. And I think this this moment is characterized in no small part by the capture of imagine of people's imaginations with ai artificial uh, artificial generative intelligence agi and i think it's the number 3 story and again i would say we could look back 5 years from now and any of any of china global debt or ai could, we could look back and say that should have been number one. But I'm walking around my house right now holding chat GPT-4 right here. In fact, it's right here in front of me on my cell phone. Is a chat GPT-4 box that I can query with any question I have and have it search through the internet to find, have it do that. But the point here is AI isn't just a search engine. It isn't, and it, and as such, it's like, well, people are like, well, yeah, but it's basically a bad search engine because it tells you lies and so forth. I'm much more optimistic about AI than the average person. And indeed, I've linked, you will notice on Twitter, uh, as a story finishes, I'm putting up a a 
me- message a post on on Twitter that says here's the number X story. The one I've linked to here is going to be one of the pieces written by Mark Andreessen, by, who's the co-owner of Andreessen Horowitz, which is a major venture capitalist in the in the tech space, in the AI space. Indeed, I didn't link to the Techno Optimist Manifesto, which came out later, because I wanted something that was specifically relating to AI. And he had a couple of those, and I will have those there. Another Techno Optimist in this particular vein is Tyler Cowen, okay, columnist at Bloomberg, uh, co-author at, at Marginal Revolution, uh, has a principles textbook that I, that I think is now one of the two or three best in the in the world, um, and more accessible at a lower cost than the others, which is why I probably when I go back to teaching in the next year. I will probably. I'm expecting I'm going to use their book because of its low cost. To control the cost by poor students to have to pay for their education. But Cowan was speaking to a group of investment folks from Macari, uh, which is an Australian-based uh, investment house, and talking about AI. And there was a couple really interesting parts of his conversation. And I want to play them for you here. This is cut number four. It's like you'll have a new operating system. So one reason people underestimate the eventual impact of AI, they see it as a query machine, which of course it is, but it's also a totally new operating system. Just as Windows was much better than DOS, current AI and large language models are the biggest advance in operating systems we've ever seen. And I will say it really is true. Um, Just as anytime Google gave me a link, I would go look at the link, then I'd go, okay, is that link linking me to a good source? And I would want to query that. Anytime I use my chat GPT, I have to go in and, and, and look at that as well. But as a new operating system, I mean, think about one aspect of this. Okay, in fact, let's play this. This is the aspect which, uh, which Cowan talks about. Let's continue. Cut number five. I think it will, AI will improve productivity in almost all areas over a 20-year time frame. In some areas, such as programming, it's improved productivity a great amount already. It, that just took months to happen. But more than half the code in Silicon Valley is now written by AIs, and humans have to correct it, but it's much easier, quicker, and more generative than just having to write so much code from scratch. The real barriers are on the side of the humans. It's a lot of legal issues with AI, how it intersects with privacy law, how it intersects with institutional constraints. Uh, Those will take a long time to resolve. So the productivity gains will come slowly, but it could mean the difference over time between a Western nation having a fiscal crisis because of a low birth rate versus having enough productivity gains that you squeak by and can continue to pay for you know everything your society is spending money on. So if there is an answer to the global debt problem that we just talked about, there's two ways to pay off this global debt. One of them... You know, one of them that you think might make some sense is we need to increase birth rates. Well, guess what? Higher birth rates also means higher consumption, higher current consumption. You have to invest a lot into creating 
a new a new child. That's only going to pay off over 18 to 20 years, 25 years. You may not have the time for that. In the meantime, imagine this. Imagine, and I was thinking about this the other day because I actually tried this out. I put in, I had the, I had ChatGPT read all of the policies that are used at, at my university. And then I said, using those policies, answer a particular question for me about whether we could do this. And gave it the problem. And it went back and sa- and developed, well, if you're going to do this, you could use this policy and this policy that says I could do this, says I could do that. I could therefore hand you a policy that says that. Now, and it was good, and it took me, it took me because I'm learning how to ask good prompts. And this is what I learned about Google was you get out of Google what you put in in terms of how you ask it for information. It finds what you want faster as you get sharper about how you ask what keywords you put into your Google search. ChatGPT does the same thing, but it then can access it. So what I imagine happening to improve productivity, particularly productivity in the service sector, is creating your own your own app running running chat gpt in an intranet using all of your own information and seeking out patterns and looking for things that you can do to improve productivity it could do that now it's possible i just i just played a little bit with it and sort of proved myself it could do that i've got to get better about how do I feed it information? I got to get better about how to ask it prompts. But it could get a lot better. Now imagine that happening in lots of different places. If you could just move from the economy productivity growing at 1% a year to productivity growing at 2.5% a year, it solves a lot of problems. GDP growing 1.5% faster a year would make the debt issue a lot more manageable. As Cowan says, you might squeak by. Now, will it produce 1.5%? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But this was the year where we ended up having an AGI product, still pretty primitive, okay, in the same way Windows 3.1, was really primitive. But what we have today, you know, how many of us, when's the last time you opened up a DOS shell on your computer? Yes, you computer programmer types, you do it all the time. But if you're a guy like me who's trying to get a computer to solve a problem for himself in economics or in in, a, in university administration or in helping a nonprofit or something like that. I don't open up DOS shells anymore. Even though 35 years ago, everything I did was on a DOS operating system. We'll be back right after this with the number one and number two stories here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 144. Santa, something terrible is happening. Ho, 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 Rudolph. 
Wolf, calm down. Tell me what's going on. I just overheard Mrs. Claus talking. Yes? She said that she's getting a new Santa. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Rudolph, I know all about it. Mrs. Claus is getting a new Santa Fe from Invergrove Hyundai. What's a Santa Fe? The Santa Fe is Hyundai's most advanced SUV. Jam-packed with safety and technology features. And its spacious five-passenger interior is like the Claus family room on wheels. Does this mean we won't have to take her in the sleigh to Pilates class every Tuesday? That's right. Ho, ho, ho. Every new Hyundai like the Santa Fe comes with America's best warranty. 10-year, 100,000-mile limited powertrain and Hyundai Assurance. You deserve a great car buying experience, and that's what you'll get at Invergrove Hyundai. Online at InvergroveHyundai.com. InvergroveHyundai.com. And they're reindeer recommended. All of us love sports. But not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. Minnesota High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Arby's Computer Service. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boots, Arby's Computer Service. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. I might make that a resolution. I need to go see Tedeschi Trucks again. They are so good. 651-289-4477. Number to call with questions and comments here. King Banyan Show. We're reviewing the top eight stories of 2023. And it has to be said. Inflation was the story of, was a big story in 2023. But a good story, not a bad story. A good story insofar as at the beginning of the year, inflation rates were running above 5%. And very few of us believe that those rates could come down fast unless there was 
a large recession sometime in 2023. Some of us believe that the Fed would do it and cause that large recession. Others of us, including myself, believed that they would simply bring inflation rates down much more slowly so that we wouldn't reach 2%, the 2% target until sometime well into 2025. And yet at the moment, inflation rate, the inflation rate, people would say, just as if you just ask the person on the street or if you even ask an economist, what's the inflation rate right now in the United States, they're going to give you an answer of 3%, more or less. And yes, you can go find particular numbers. I've been tweeting out at you uh, dashboards that uh, that tend to show um, tend to show what's you know show you um, core CPI, core PCE, sticky price CPI, um, PCE for services less less rent. Um, which for a while Jay Powell was using as a as a signal. But by and large, everyone got to a place where by December, everyone realized, well, inflation has come down faster than we thought and trying to figure out what that means and why. So one, one such reaction, Josh Brown, who works for uh, Ritz-Holtz Wealth Management, um, um, Josh is owned his own firm for some time, has now joined forces with uh, the great Barry Ritholtz uh, in, in one firm, was offering this opinion. This was on, I believe, CNBC uh, just in the last week or so. And he had this to say. This is cut 12. So Jeff was quoting from Braveheart. I'll, I'll do my own. William Wallace said, uh, we all end up dead. It's just a question of how and why. Every bout with inflation ends up dead. It's just a question of how and why. The 1970s inflation paradigm was the wrong paradigm. I'm not the only person, obviously, that pointed this out, but I still think it's really an important lesson. The real paradigm to have focused on was post-World War II. We had tons of stimulus in the system. That's what was necessary for the, for the arming of the country and the world against uh, the Axis. That inflation took like 10 years to, to, to work itself out of the system. We had rising rates throughout the 1950s, and yet stocks were able to work, and we didn't really have any meaningful economic issue. Well, we did and we didn't. We did have inflation, which everyone sort of recognized. This, by the way, is the year where in the last, particularly in the last four to six weeks, folks I think of as being on the left economically, like Adam Tooze, like Paul Krugman, uh, and so forth, have been out basically saying, see, Team Transitory, we win. It's like, yeah, but you guys, Team Transitory, were telling me a story in 21 that was going to be over in a matter of months. You can't come back two years later and say, see, our story was right after all. Okay, I'm not playing any of that because, frankly, that's just silly. That is just silly. I don't accept that at all. But it must be said at the same time. I think Josh Brown puts his finger on a point that we made on this show this year. 
and had for a while. In fact, I want to say I could go back in 2021 and find find somewhere where I said this. The best comparison to how you come out of this COVID expansion, the COVID shock, was going to be the 1940s, not the 1970s. Many of us thought so. But I do think it tries to put words in the mouth of those of mouths of those of us who were warning about how inflation would take more time to come down. And even Brown says it took four to five years for the inflation to work itself out. We're on year three. We had said at the time, you'll recall, I just said, I didn't think the inflation would work out till 2025. I had a 1940s model in my head to do that. It's worth remembering that the Federal Reserve was still actively buying U.S. Treasuries to hold interest rates down until 1951, six years after the end of World War II, when it enters into what's often called the Accord. It's an agreement between the Fed and the Treasury that the Fed was going to get out of buying long-term Treasury securities and was just going to buy Treasury bills, those that matured in less than a year. In fact, it was sometimes referred to as the bills-only doctrine. Okay, incorrectly, because there's two different, there are two different phenomena that are called bills-only. Uh, this is, the, and the other one, though, being from the Bank of England. Um, so the it took five to six years for that to work out. It has come down. It has come down substantially. But I don't think it's over. I think it's being used by folks. And, and we found this clip before I created this setup for today. <clears throat> I found this clip actually last week. I sent it to Spencer. And Spencer's like, oh, my God, this is so good. We've got to play this somehow. This is Mohammed Al-Aryan, who one of the two economists you probably heard the most on the show in the last year. And there was this very short clip that came out right after the Fed meeting when I expected to be here to do the Fed with you on the, on the 15th or the 16th. I couldn't do that because, because of the, uh, the building being shut down. And we're not gonna, that show's just gone. It's never going to get done because we don't have it. But just the one, the one little piece from it was this was Muhammad Al-Aryan on Bloomberg a couple weeks ago talking about how people are using the inflation story to basically try to force the Fed's hand. Let's play this. This is cut zero. Every time the Fed goes towards the market, because there's a decoupling, the market runs away further from the Fed. And the market has understood that it can drag the Fed along. And that's got to stop, John, because we get overshoots, and then we've got to pay for the consequences of those overshoots later on. The problem here is, if you believe that the inflation period is now over, and you decide that inflation is going to hit 2%, Sometime in 2024, because we went from five to three so in, in a year. So we've got to be able to go from three to two in six months. And so the Fed can start cutting rates rapidly. If the Fed actually gets pulled along by the market, we could easily overshoot and have a resurgence of inflation in the second half of 2024. And wouldn't that be a kick in the pants for a uh, 
uh, an administration trying to run for re-election. I don't, this is, again, I will say, we'll talk about this, you know, next week's show is going to be, of course, a job Saturday. We'll talk about all, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll start thinking about what the Fed might do. Right now, the probability is like only a one in six chance they cut rates at the next meeting at the end of January. Uh, I don't, I mean, I certainly don't think they'll do that. But the Fed has, the Federal Reserve is being boxed by around the ears by the markets telling them, you won, you won. Just declare victory and move on. Get rates down. Why? Because of what we talked about two segments ago. They're holding debt that's been very low priced because of high interest rates. They want those rates down so that the price can go back up. And they want those prices... They want those interest rates down for a while longer. But to me, that that ends up perhaps risking the number one story of 23. And if you've paid attention, you probably know what I'm going to talk about in the next segment. Coming up right after these messages on The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. Just about a year ago, I set out. Are you or a loved one struggling with drug or alcohol use? Maybe you're not sure if it's addiction or if treatment's needed. If so, you're not alone. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, 19.3 million people aged 18 or older had a substance use disorder in the past year. Hazelden Betty Ford offers a free confidential assessment. Inpatient, outpatient, and virtual options are available. It's time to take back your life. Hazelden Betty Ford can help. This message sponsored by Hazelden Betty Ford, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and the state. China is attacking the U.S. patent system, stealing American innovations, and we are helping them do it. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. Innovation Race, the shocking new movie from the Tea Party Patriots, exposes the truth. China will use our own technology to threaten our economic and military security. Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. This is a race that we cannot afford to lose because we're not going to have a country. If China gains control over 5G technology with a flip of a switch, they could remotely turn off our phones, our cars, even our power grid. We've lost sight of what it is to protect this nation. We need to up our game. In today's high-tech world, there's no prize for second place. Watch Innovation Race. Available now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Ramsey Show. Mama's going to be just fine when you die, financially speaking. I'm sure she'll cry. My wife is actually planning my death, and it's got me very concerned. My estate plan is predicating (laughs) on me predeceasing her, and I don't know how she knows that. The Biz 1440. Weekdays 1 to 4. Don't get lost in the endless stream of misleading headlines. Turn to a leading source of conservative news. Townhall.com. Political cartoons. Thoughtful commentary. And an intelligent perspective on the day's headlines. Townhall.com. A division of Salem Media Group. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Counting down the top eight stories in economics, we did not include Taylor Swift. We did not include any clips of Jay Powell. You will hear none of that today. Um, I took off uh, took off a number of other stories that I, I I actually played with and then and then removed to get to this eight. Number eight, Sam Bankman Fried and the collapse and the collapse of FTX. Number seven, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and other banks uh, in the Silicon Valley and and through into that Credit Suisse, uh, which uh, also failed around the same time. Number six, the production of oil, the, the, the U.S. reaching its peak production in 2023. Um, number five, the lack of economic recovery and the weakness of the Chinese economy which is exposing a number of, of flaws in their system right now. Number four, the record level of global debt. <clears throat> Number three, artificial generative intelligence, or AI, AGI. Number two, the f- drop in inflation in, in, is the number two story. And the number one story, the recession that didn't come in 23. At the beginning of 23, Everybody, but everybody, was predicting a recession coming from the Federal Reserve all the way to yours truly. I certainly thought one was coming. You would hear opinions like this. And so this is uh, the guy that I'm going to say we played him the most in 2023 was Larry Summers, uh, who, by the way, is now a director on the board of OpenAI as sort of an external independent uh, director to represent sort of the non-nerd, non-techie part of uh, keeping an eye on OpenAI is the company that produces ChatGPT, among other other products that they have. Um, He's now on that board. And he had this to say. This was all the way back on, I think, the very maybe the second week of January on Wall Street Week, when he was asked about whether recession was coming in 2023, he had this to say, cut seven. I don't think there are historical precedents for inflation at the rate we now have it coming down uh, to the target the Fed has set of 2% without a uh, recession. I think all the precedents point uh, towards a recession, a recession, Chuck. And that was actually it was actually on Meet the Press. He said that. Um, but it was in January of 2023. 
it was a common view by this time, Larry Summers, who was told back when he was criticizing Team Transitory in 2021, was being told by one and all in D.C., please shut up. Okay, you're kind of making the president look bad here. He wasn't the only one, but he was probably the most visible, the most outspoken of the group. Of course, we know there's been no recession so far. The fourth quarter, for all practical purposes, we'll we'll find out December employment on Friday of this coming week, uh, on the 5th of January. And my guess is once that number comes in, it will come in with a number around 160,000 jobs added in in January. And when the, when that gets reported, we'll all say, "Well, fourth quarter fourth quarter GDP must be a positive number." There's no signs of it being negative, and so there will be no recession in 2023. Asked again, the same kind of question in December of this year, Larry Summers says this: "Cut number eight." What is the risk right now of a recession in the first half of next year? It's certainly under 50-50, David. I think it's probably on the order of uh, 20, 25, uh, uh, 25% that ultimately something will happen which will cause the NBER uh, to date a recession as having begun in uh, the first half of the year. Whoops! Okay, in the famous voice of uh, of uh, Don Adams, who played Maxwell Smart, missed it by that much. Just a little, or just a bit outside. Um, either way, got it wrong. Absolutely 100% got it wrong. No recognition of what he said 12 months ago. But the problem is that the Internet has receipts. Go back and look at the record. And one of the things that I've been telling people is it's been my policy ever since I started doing the Corley Business Report back up here in 2004. Um, I wasn't with it for the first five years of its existence. Um, Ever since I started doing it, I said, every year when I come to you and tell you, here's my forecast for the coming year, I'm going to tell you how I did last year. And sometimes it's going to be really humbling, and some other times I'm going to get to crow. Okay, but I promise you every year I'm going to come up here and tell you, how did we do? Well, we got 23 wrong. No question about that. Why did that happen? We've got lots of stories to tell. We could talk about the fact that the consumer still is spending money. It is adding to that debt issue that we talked about in the previous segment. Okay, it is adding to that. We could talk about the fact that there's that, that we do have an economy that's producing a lot of goods for a war effort happening in Ukraine. We did not expect to be producing all these goods, but we are. And so that's holding up some production as well. When Ukraine fights a war, it's doing it with stuff that's built here in the U.S. And all that stuff that we're sending to them, we have to replace. So there are orders coming in to do that. So that's been that's been a positive for the U.S. economy. The weakness of China has meant, in some sense, that we are in we are in fact bringing to the market. Uh, we are getting 
smaller trade deficits as a result. That's making our economy look stronger, too. <clears throat> My point is there are lots of reasons why this has happened. The question for 24 is whether or not it's really 20 or 25 percent. I would put that. I'm not ready to say what my percentage is. I'll have to do that by Thursday. But I think that the likelihood that we're going to see a recession sometime in 2024 in the first half is not small. If if anything, I think 20 to 25 percent might be a little on the low side. I don't know that I'm ready to put a number on it myself, though. But there you go. Those are the top eight stories of 2023. And so I want to leave in this last minute with a note of thanks to you. This has been a, a fun year. It's been it's been a year that I will say professionally uh, here for me at the university has been has been full of some challenges, but also some great joy as well. As I look back on the last year, I have so many things to be thankful for. One of the best things I look at I'm thankful for is for you, this audience that engages me every week. I am gra- I am grateful for that. Uh, I'm grateful to Spencer and to John and to the folks at Salem for giving me a microphone to talk to. I'm thankful for the for the for the uh, people that I that I get to work with for Mitch, for Brad, for Jack. Uh, and all of those folks uh, from the Northern Alliance Radio Network that I get to participate with as well. But I wish you all a very happy new year, and we'll talk to you next week on a Job Saturday edition of the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. What is your healing power? Maybe your healing power is helping veterans with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, depression, anxiety, or loneliness. Is your healing power a simple, heartfelt letter or being a volunteer? It is estimated that over a half a million current warfighters will return from service diagnosed with PTSD, and 22 veterans will commit suicide every day. Our veterans have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. At HealVets.org, you can find out more about the healing power of pen pals, volunteers, therapy kits, and more. Discover your healing power at HealVets.org. Help Heal Veterans, together with you, has been helping one recovering veteran at a time. We are helping veterans heal together. What is your healing power? To find out about your power, visit HealVets.org. This PSA is sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? consider volunteering with your local fire department. The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org.
This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you. And without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years. And it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important issues to read about. Pregatopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pregatopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, Pregatopia Unlimited. Go to Pregatopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. There's bulls and even black swan. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. 